0: Welcome back to the Mind Poppers podcast. Before we get into this week's Mind Poppers, I want to preface the episode by saying that there was like a, a super moon last night or a strawberry moon, whatever the fuck that is. Um, and I hate to be this person. I hate to be this person. I do. But as a cancer, as <laughs> people at home be like, shut up! As a cancer, you know, as a child of the moon, um, like god, the moon really does just wreak havoc with me. It really, really does. So I, I was up until 5 a.m. last night. I just had all this energy. Usually on a full moon, I'll do like a, a lunar cosmic realigning. <laughs> I know people at home be like, he's lost it. He's lost it. Um, you know, I do some sort of, some sort of thing anyway, outdoors with the moon. But last night, ooh, I was just in bed and I had like, I could feel all this lunar energy and I wasn't doing anything with it and it was just very overwhelming so I feel like I'm hungover today you know. I don't know if Mercury was in Gatorade or whatever but um, I just, I'm just i just feeling fucked up today. I feel so disorientated. Um, this week um, I want to talk about for the mind poppers right. I thought we'd do a bit of a fun one. I want to talk about drugs. I want to talk about drugs and all the different drugs and the highs so I know a lot of you will have experience have no experience with drugs some of you will, will have dabbled you know some of you maybe hardcore users which is which is perfectly fine and um, but what I want to do because there's a lot of drugs on this list that I haven't tried at all Um, but I'm curious to know about the high even if you've no interest in taking drugs or what have you it's still interesting, like, what's the feeling when you take them, you know? We all want to know that. Why do people, you know, get so deep in with drugs? And I don't want this podcast to come up as an endorsement of drugs. But you know what? Actually, I don't care. I don't care if you feel like this is an endorsement of drugs. You know, I'm not pressuring anyone to take drugs or whatever. We're just talking, okay? You're a grown-ass woman. You're a grown-ass man. You can handle your own shit. Um, but at the very same time, I'm not condemning the use of drugs, you know? Um it's it's a personal it's a personal choice, you know. Some of you will have tried it and have probably had terrible experiences. Some of you have taken stuff and it has rocked your shit, you know. But it's completely up to the individual. But before we get into that, I want to just talk about talk about some current affairs, you know. You know how we like to do the news here. Um something obviously that's going on at the moment is the Black Lives Matter movement. Um this is something you know because right now really like the world is on fire let's face it the world is burning people don't really know what to do um but let me tell you at least my relationship to the Black Lives Matter movement um you know the thing for me is like years ago I used to be one of those people who who had a closed mind you know had absolutely no idea what was going on in the world like had no idea of other people's perspective whatever I was obviously embedded you know with white privilege which we're all born with all white people are born with and you don't really pay attention to to what's going on in the world or other people's hurt um, and the prejudice because like you know why would you if you're born on a pedestal you know why would you willingly get down from that pedestal if that makes any sense um and that's the way i felt you know all through my teens late teens whatever um but I suppose it was getting to know more about myself that helped my mind to open, which was my very first personal spiritual mind popper, was getting to know myself. Um when I say this, you know, it was it was, it was me kind of figuring out who I was, questioning myself, and then eventually, you know, I guess, you know, accepting myself as a part of like the LGBT plus community, um, even though I hate labels. Hate! Labels, don't use them, don't fuck with them. But you know, for the sake of argument and for the sake of just navigating this thought process, you know, we will do what we have to do. And I guess it's that feeling accepting myself into the LGBT plus community. Um, you know, when you are and I'm only talking about LGBT right now because you know that's the only thing I've experienced in, but when you are a part of that community. You know there's a certain thing you know where you where you wake up every day and there there's always kind of like this thought in the back of your mind or whatever but you know every day that you wake up that there is so many people out there who hate you you know just for living just for breathing just for being alive there are so many people you know that hate you um and, and we grow up in schools and we hear we hear family talking grandparents parents what have you you know what a really homophobic rhetoric. You know, you know, especially in Catholic Ireland, where we're instilled, you know, all these all the shit about the Bible or whatever. Like we know from a very, very, very young age that you know homosexuality is regarded as a sin in the Catholic Church, um, and you know in Ireland it's not deemed as the the ideal. You know, for someone to be gay, lesbian, by or trans. Um, so you 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 know that you you live with that pain every day it's just like this dull pain at the back of your head you know every day that there are so many people out there that hate you just just for a living you've never met these people but but they hate you you know that um and like you you look at the news and you're reading articles and you see like in the middle east what have you like um lgbt people are being stoned to death they are being thrown off the roofs of buildings, you know, in Russia and Chechnya, the LGBT community, you know, they're being put into concentration camps, that kind of a thing. You know, the people in the States, you know, they're being fired from their workplaces for being LGBT and what have you and all that drama. And, you know, the the US government, you know, constantly trying to undermine LGBT rights and, and that kind of thing. Um and I mean, you see with Trump's, um, you know, the, the trans military ban, all that thing, you know, just planted just for just for divisiveness, just just to split people up. So when you're part of the LGBT community, you know, in your heart. That so much of the world hates you, you know, and, and of course, so much of the world loves you. And, and that's fine. That's what I'm talking about. But it's growing up knowing that that. Um, that ju- that, you, that people will regard you as different just just for being alive just for breathing it was true that kind of pain and that like like I said it was my first ever mind popper, was getting to know myself it was true that that my eyes were able to open to the to the struggles of other people and that's why I've always felt kind of I don't know a kinship I guess to to, to black people in that regards because again while obviously lgbt um journeys or whatever are are not at all the same as uh people of color stories you know they're they're being suppressed by the same people by by the same people so they do share a lot of commonalities you know even though their stories and their struggles are, are very different um but it was true that awakening for me that i was able to you know years ago do a deep dive into what it meant to be a person of color in this world and I was able to understand you know their pain and their struggles I guess in more of a profound way because I was able to relate it back to that feeling that I had of you know just being treated differently or or you know that feeling knowing that people hate you just for being alive um so that is why I've always felt a very strong kinship to the to the black community um, and of course, I'm not saying like I understand what it means to be black. Of course, I don't understand what it means to be black because I ain't black, you know. Um, but I'm definitely a cracker with a conscience, you know. Um, I'm, I'm with an open mind. Um, and a lot of people right now. One thing that's really bugging me right now about the, the conversation around the whole Black Lives Matter movement is, and people, I've I've heard people being like, yeah, it's awful. Do you know what's happening, but the riots and the looting. You know that's just not right. That's not right. That's um like a disgrace to George Floyd's memory, kind of a thing. Do you know, uh, my thought process on this is that you know, I, people now who are like suddenly be like, oh my god, racism exists. You know, because of the the trend of the Black Lives Matter movement. Please, please don't. Um, like if 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 only now you are opening your eyes even somewhat, even a millimeter to racism and it's only happening now then then that is an issue that's a problem you know for how many years have we been hearing about unarmed black people black kids being shot you know in in a lot of situations where they haven't even committed a crime you know and again again we we see this outpouring from the um, African American community in the states you know basically just pleading like please stop killing our kids killing our brothers our sisters our mothers our fathers please stop and it always falls on deaf ears every single time white ears remain closed they don't want to hear it they don't want to hear it so now that you and let's let's be clear these aren't the first riots and protests to, to to happen not at all um but but now for whatever reason it's just become you know a global it's it's become projected onto the global stage. Um but I mean like and people it's it's that whole question, I mean like what do they have to you know, do those protesters have to go out and riot and loot or whatever? Um and my thought on it is, I mean like how how long can Can these people, black people who have lost family, who've lost children to just sheer police brutality? And we're not even talking about like full scale racism at this point. We're not talking about the full spectrum. We're we're looking at one segment of that being police brutality. Um, Like how long can they plead? How long can they beg and cry for you to stop killing their fucking children? You know, and falling again on deaf white ears. How how long do you expect them to do that? And at least now, you know, they're, like people are being hurt. The black community is being hurt. Now, again, like I said, I, it's still falling on a lot of, you know, closed white ears, deaf white ears. But God, I mean, can you imagine if that was white kids, white unarmed kids being shot and killed by police brutality you know white people would burn this fucking planet to the ground to the fucking ground um so like the the charities that i've been involved with over the last couple of weeks um i've been directly trying to send funds to people on the front lines black youth activists on the front lines um just things for like um street medics you know who are out there on the protest or at the protest um treating people um gas masks you know um water supplies all that kind of thing and again bail bonds you know which is you know paying to actively get people out of incarceration people who are being arrested um at the protests and what have you um again on my instagram i have it in, in my bio a link a very handy link for you to Really kind of get involved with fundraising um in a very direct way on, a direct way on the front line but but that was my whole point. It was my kinship to to the black community um stemmed from getting to know myself and once i once I saw how the world saw me, if you get me or people like me, it kind of uh, allowed my mind to to perceive how other people you know are being treated as well if that makes sense. And the whole thing is a lot of these these groups who are being uh, constantly put down, like obviously you have people of colour, you have women, you have the LGBT community um, and, and different religions or whatever. It's the same person that's putting them down. It's the same person that's putting them down. And I hate to say it because I, I, I know people, I know people freak out when they hear it when you say straight white Christian men. I know that it's a very hot word because it sends obviously those guys crazy. But you know, for a lot of civilization straight white Christian men have been on the top of the societal pyramid. You know, they they have been the rulers to everybody. Um and I mean this I mean this by saying I I'm, I'm trying to f- find the words to to logically explain this and say this with a bit of substance but you've had these people who've remained at the top at the very top of the pyramid and they like to layer us all kind of beneath Um, not saying that all the struggles that these minorities go through is the same it's absolutely not every single one of us goes through a completely different completely different journey Um, but it is the same it's the same group of people you know that that try to keep everybody else down and it's not to say that every single straight white person male who's born, you know, is homophobic, is racist, is blah, 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 is misogynistic, whatever. But the thing is, and this is, I guess, the crux of what I've been trying to say. The thing is, when you were born into that privilege to being a, a straight white Christian male, the, the, the privilege that comes with that is you are... You are one of those people who who, when they wake up every day, the whole world doesn't hate them, just for being born, just for being themselves, if you get me. You know like obviously it's a extremely patriarchal society that we live in, you know, so that w- w- as a woman we, when you wake up every day, you know that a lot of the world is against you or a lot of the um the systems at play in the world are to, to bring you down or to impede your progress, you know, compared to the, the straight white male counterparts. Um, the very same way with, with, with people of colour, you know, they, they have to wake up every day knowing, knowing racism, feeling racism, feeling that hatred, you know, in their soul that directed at them just for being alive. And the same way with the LGBT community. Again, I'm not trying to say that because I'm talking with the Black Lives Matter it's completely different, completely different from, from the other groups I'm talking about. I know that. But I'm, I'm just trying to make um, kind of a, a general kind of point here is that uh, some of these people, you know, these straight white Christian males who are born, they don't know what it's like. They, they've never felt that. They've never woken up having to feel like the world is against them just for being alive, just for breathing. They've never had to feel that. So in in that way, I can understand how they are unable to to perceive what everyone else has to go through because they've never lived it. Unless you have that feeling where you wake up every day knowing that the world is against you and the systems of the world are against you just for living, just for being who you are, just for living, things you cannot change. And and they've never experienced that. You know, and I I think I I can only imagine it must be very hard to perceive what everybody else is saying when you've never had to live that, when you when that when something when that's never been a part of your life, you know, because that pain that you go through, you know, for being like I would just say different in terms of the way people are trying to to paint the world, you know. Um unless you've experienced that, like God, it could, because that is a very that opens your mind, it expands your mind a hundred percent. Like if you are one of those people who go through that sort of pain, then God your eyes your mind just has to open to the pain of others you know i mean at least it should unless you're a real dumb fuck like it really really should and um, it's your duty to if you're one of these suppressed people in in any regard it is your duty you know to to stand by the other suppressed groups and to uplift them 100 and it is your duty to get to know and become familiar and educate yourself as much as possible in what these other people have to go through because their journey and their problems and their struggles are completely different to yours. Um, So you have to be educating yourself. So I don't want to be hearing now that like, oh my God, racism is a thing? What? What? How come nobody said anything about this? You know the way everyone, because everyone's going on Instagram now, like a lot of people, like a lot of these influencers, you know, like, oh my God, how did I not know this was going on? Like, that's some bullshit, you know? But at least now do better, you know, do better. Um, and I mean, like, if you're listening to this podcast, your mind is already so much more open than a lot of people, you know. So I know you guys don't need to be hearing this. Um, but the, the thing about what's going on in America, and um, this is just my own thought process or whatever, like, I can understand it completely. You know, because America is, you know, it's got it. It's an ex- not an exception to the rule, but it's it's a it's a weird one. Because, you know, America, you had the, the widespread slavery, you know, like what? A hundred years ago in, in the States, um, you know, African-American people were considered to be property. You know, they were there was no laws protecting them. They were treated worse than animals, you know, murdered, raped, tortured, by by white people by white families for years and years and years um and that's only 100 years like 100 years ago or not far off that and then for f- to if you want to flash forward to modern day like the the pain that echoes from that and, and the 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 subconscious and mental scarring that, that echoes forward into present time e- e- even into to to white people you know that has to plant subconscious things in, in in heads and in minds because you think back and it's like why why were people treated this way why were they treated as as fucking slaves you know and and the echo from the past it just messes with people's heads and it just affects them on a subconscious level um, and people don't know how to process that because you can't just, you know, rub your hands off and be like, okay, we're equal now and everything's fine. I mean, surely that can't be the way. That can't be the way, surely. You can't go from someone being your fucking property, someone who you tortured, murdered, abused for, for decades and, and then, and then what, uh, uh, a century later being like, okay, we We good you know, we are good, it's all even now, it's a, it's a living or a level playing field. I think that's what people really, really do not understand. You cannot go from that, you know, to, to now saying that everyone's equal and everyone has equal opportunity. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. There has to be constant, constant work into this and of course there isn't. You know, America is is a is a very racist country. There, there's no point in saying otherwise, and it's not even that, but it's built on on a racist foundation, and the system is built to suppress people of color, and that's just a fact. That is just a fact. There is nobody in the United States uh, as a, a person of color who is going to have the same opportunities as their white counterpart. It's just absolutely not the way. Like that system, in my opinion, again, this is just my own thought process. It needs to be fucking broken down to its very core and rebuilt and rebuilt Um, the system isn't broken in America the system was designed to target vulnerable people um, the African American community 1000% you know ideally on talking about this especially while we have the protests going on at the moment um, ideally I'd like to have you know people of colour on the podcast telling me about their experiences rather than you know, my perception of what's going on and all that. Again, because I'm a white person, so I, I'll never be able to speak on what it's like to be a black person and, and what that means and how that feels navigating the world. Ideally, I would like to be able to do that and be able to have people on and talk. Currently, like, we are, what, like, seven episodes in, okay? We are still recording from the basement, the Mind Popper's basement. We do not have the technology to facilitate that right now, okay? Okay. Um, especially when Imagine is trying to squeeze me for sixty euro fucking month for broadband. Okay, we do we are doing this on a mobile hotspot. Okay, um, but so but when when the technology arrives, absolutely, I would love to. In the meantime, the the my sister podcast, the Eight uh Jenny and Lindsay had some fantastic people on sharing their experiences on their latest episode uh, of the It podcast. So check that out. Check that out for a more in-depth look, more in-depth than what I can offer you right now. Um, But without further ado, let us get on, let us get on to the rest of the episode on a lighter note. So the first drug we're going to talk about for this week's mind popper is weed. Marijuana. What gets you high in weed is a thing called THC. Um, if I'm correct, that is an abbreviation for, well not an abbreviation, but it's short for Delta 9 Tetra Hydra Cannibal. Yeah. And I didn't even read that from a fucking phone. Okay, that's a little slow. Um, but THC in the marijuana is what gets you high. And let me tell you, I think that weed is one of the most beautiful things this universe, this planet has bestowed upon us weed can be absolutely stunning stunning amazing groundbreaking game changer the sister i never had um you know being with people and being stoned is is absolutely incredible you know it bonds people together um a lot of you who are stoners who are regular stoners will understand that you know you you'll have this this one friend who is your stoner soulmate? You know, just being together stoned is—it's just—it's just the best possible experience. You you laugh together, floods of tears. It's just an amazing experience, and it can just bring you so much closer. And I have a stoner soulmate. Her name is—I—I I, I probably won't say her name. Uh, it's Sinead, but she's my stoner soulmate, and you know, smoke or being stoned with her is it's just some of the best times i've ever had you know absolutely just some of the best times i've ever had um but what is the high like when smoking weed say if you're at home and you've you've never smoked you know it's it's a ride you know it's it's mellow it's calm it's relaxing it's just like it's just it's just hard to describe it is hard to describe the internet now greatest.com I will read to you they describe it as being a relaxation increased hunger um sensitivity to light color touch taste and smell that is like for your kind of physical kind of physical parts of the high but then you also have to, to all drugs you have an, an emotional aspect an emotional high how does it affect you emotionally this high um weed then it's very much kind of associated with euphoria creativity um and and i guess amusement like you know laughing your ass off kind of a thing um and obviously like your high depends on 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 the strain the dosage the potency all of that and how you consume it you know do do you smoke uh weed do you vape weed do you consume weed you know in terms of foods you know which is a big and bustling growing market as cannabis food edibles, um, oils, THC oil, that kind of a thing. Um, and let me tell you, it is, it's is—it's one hell of a time. It's just one hell of a time. And then, and then being stoned by yourself as well is also an amazing experience. Being stoned by yourself, it, it, it can be like, oh my God, just an abundance of creativity. There have been times when I've been stoned and just thinking, thinking in my head and following my thought processes and my my train of thoughts or whatever and see where they lead me and I have just come to understand some like fundamental things about the universe you know and about myself like being high on weed can just offer you such an open gateway into introspection and understanding things about yourself and why you think certain things and questioning It, it, it can just it honestly can expand your mind to new horizons. It, it honestly truly can. I have to say that it can. And then there's the flip side to it as well. You know, you know, smoking weed, the high off weed, can, it can, there can also be a downside 100%. Um, It, it, it depends where, where you stand emotionally with yourself, you know, because of course, if there's, you know, things that drag you down and depression, all that, and, you know, speaking from personal experience, I have never been someone who has, like, been, like, emotionally stable, you know? Ever. Um, Like, I'm just a complete mess in terms of emotions. Complete mess. I'm a a complete overthinker. Um, It's just the way I am, you know? Um, So you can also take the height to kind of a darker place where you do look introspectively at the darker things about yourself and the darker things about your life uh and these like focal points of depression and anxiety 1000% you can um which is obviously just the same the same with any drug I think but um then you have like things called if again I- I'm talking to like someone who's never smoked a day in their life I there's things called a whitey pulling a whitey um which is I I think like scientifically it's where you where you even imbalance, like where your blood sugar levels they go so low, so you can like faint or you'll you feel nauseous or you'll vomit or what have you. Shit yourself possibly. Um pulling a whitey, let me tell you, it's it's not fun. It is not fun. It's actually terrible. I've pulled more whiteys than I than I I could count on my hands. Um Like I remember one time we were um we were at like a beach or something and we were we were smoking. And uh, when you have a group of like more than like three people sometimes and, and, and people are smoking, they'll do like puff, puff, pass, which is basically, it was like, you might spark up two joints at a time and that will go round in the little circle. So you're smoking, like, it's like, oh my God, you've just handed the joint away and, and another one is just coming then to you and you're like, fuck me. Of course, you do want to look like a pussy. You don't want to be like, no, 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 I'll sit this one out, I'll sit this one out. Um, So you're just smoking way too much, way too much, way too quickly and your blood sugar levels are just, just falling to the floor um I remember one time and I had reached that level I knew I was I was about to whitey and, and I said to my friend who was driving I was like oh um I was like can we go home soon because uh I, I really have to poo I really have to poo and you know one of the one of the side effects of, of pulling a whitey is that overwhelming to shit to release your bowels and shit everywhere and I was going through that, I was, like, turtle-heading for sure, like, paging Dr. Turtlehead, absolutely. I was ready to shit myself. Um, and they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll go in a minute, we'll go in a minute. Bam, I hit the strand, like a ton of fucking, like a sack of shit, Um, hit the strand, <laughs> puking everywhere. Of course everyone's laughing, because, like, you know, you're not going to overdose on a whitey, like, I don't think there's any, there's an, any known Lethal dose of marijuana. No one has ever died from smoking marijuana, um, but of course, I was the laughing stock, getting sick on the stones, and people being like, "I oh, thought you needed to go for a shit." I was like, "I did need a shit, bitch," um, but it just came out another hole. Um, and there was there was another time, another time I pulled a whitey. <laughs> Remember, when we went back to um, it was like a friend's garage. It was late at night. I think it was maybe after work when I was working in a hotel. We went back to like a garage, uh, and we were smoking um again doing this whole puff puff pass thing there's just too much marijuana going around um and one of my friends oh, excuse me one of my friends started pulling a whitey and he, he he almost it was like almost like a seizure before he fell to the floor it was kind of like a kind of a thing he wasn't foaming at the mouth or anything um but he, he he collapsed onto the floor and and, and this same friend you know, had, was only kind of recently enough recovering from cancer, recovering from surgery f- from cancer. And he'd been given the all clear, but still, like, in my mind was racing. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I was like, he's dying. That's it, curtains, he's gone, he's dead. Um, and I, I can't see this right now. I can't go through this right now in, in my in my state, you know, being high. I, I can't see this. Um, so, <laughs> and God i then it it, that pushed me seeing him pull a whitey then pushed me over the edge to to the point where i started whiteying and it was all a bit of a blur for me (laughs) but the lad said that i like fell back like the kind of like a "Ah," you know with like one back of the hand on the forehead do you know like princess diana I was like and i remember i fell back and (laughs) someone caught me in their arms (laughs) Like I was being carried around like in the fucking bodyguard like I was Whitney Houston and I'd fallen back into someone's arms while the other person, you know, who had actually had the whitey in the first place, you know, my friend who was recovering from cancer, like, bam, hit like the concrete garage floor. But there was me then and he was like, oh my God, you couldn't even let me have my moment. You had to just come in and steal the limelight. You know, I was like, ah. I collapsed (laughs) into one of the lad's arms. you know, very um, delicately. It was done very, very classy. Um, And then, of course, I was getting sick in the drain. And previously, the other lads had gone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. had gone out to get him some sugar water, which, you know, is what they give people to, to bring back up the sugar levels when they're pulling whitey. And so they brought him back sugar water. And by this time, by the time they got back from the kitchen, he was like sitting upright, you know, like on a bench in the garage, like he was fine. And they're bringing it over to him and they're like, wait a second, what the, he- what the hell is happening to me? And there is me panned out <laughs> in one of the lad's arms. <laughs> Be like, what happened? What happened to Mary Lou? You know, ha- where's the drama coming from? But it was, it was scary. And for for the whole thing, I was like, oh my God, you guys. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was like, there's something in the weed. There is something in the weed. Someone has spiked the weed. I don't know what's happened. Because you see, I saw him drop. And then I dropped. So I was looking around the room waiting for, for all, all the rest of the lads to, to start dropping. You know? I was like, oh my God. Because again, paranoia can be a, a bad symptom of, of a high, being high on weed. Um... And I was like, oh my God, I was like waiting for everyone to drop. Like we'd all just been poisoned, like some sort of murder mystery shit, you know? So I was like, oh my God, you guys, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I have a feeling that this weed has been tapped. Someone has tampered with our weed, okay? There, there's, there's, there's heroin in the weed, you guys. There's a colonial woman on the wing of the plane. <laughs> um, and just for, for, for that, I don't know, half hour, however long that lasted, um, I was like, shit. I was like, we're all going to die. But look, in saying that, don't let these two horror stories that I've shared with you about the the highs of marijuana put you off it. Absolutely, because it is an absolutely beautiful, stunning experience. You know, for the most part, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. The next thing we want to talk about is Xanax, Zanny. Um, very um, kind of you know kind of rocketed into into pop culture in the last couple of years especially amongst like these mumble rappers you know Billie Eilish even has a song called Zanny um never had Xanax in my life I haven't but I know it's pretty popular and I, I know it's you know actually become you know very easy now to, to buy on the streets um yeah I'm down, down with the streets <laughs> um but for me Xanax was always like the the drug of like a a white woman in you know her late 50s a lady of leisure you know who can sit around like the mansion all day you know drinking champagne and will you know have a couple of zani you know like will blend it into her health shake you know just just to keep her going um or another thing that you know like maybe something people would take on planes or something you know so I'm not very familiar with it at all so of course I'm doing a bit of googling whatever I'm just looking into because again I'm interested in what what the high of a is like um but basically what Xanax is is like I'm not sure it's it's a, well I think it's an actual brand name so Xanax actually isn't the drug itself um but it's a brand name for um, alprazolam I think um but it's like it's a benzos you know which which are highly addictive but like you know you, t- you take them orally and they're like absorbed through the stomach I guess into into the blood or or what have you um but so I wanted to find out what what the high on on a Zani is like so i was googling it and i was googling people's like personal experiences so one person wrote on their experience with you know being high on xanax it's they say it's really one of the best highs you can have and still mostly functional don't drive well under the influence of anything still xanax kicks in really quickly and lasts a little bit while you ride your high and you get a physical and emotional relaxation life is perfect with just one although they say every good thing has to balance out and these things have their share of negative um, connotations mixed with alcoholic can be very dangerous. At least causing blackouts. Not to forget, since the high is very desirable, one can easily start a benzo addiction. Um, and I guess the whole thing is moderation, moderation, moderation. Um, and a lot of people, you know, will be prescribed a lot of you and your experience with Xanax or different types of benzos. Maybe you know because a lot of them are prescribed for like anxiety disorders and that kind of thing. So maybe you've already experienced it in, in not even a recreational way, but but. It, in a treatment way. Again, I don't really know a whole lot about Xanax. It's, it's never been something that's hugely appealed to me, if you get me. The next drug on our mind poppers list is brrr, crack. Yes, crack. Crack, I'm very excited about doing this. And that's actually how this whole episode even came into fruition. I was talking with my friend Sinead um, and she was telling me about, about, I think it was something, what someone had said or someone had did. And I was like, oh, maybe they did it, you know, with clear intentions or whatever, or maybe they, you know, they did it because it made them feel good or whatever. Um, and they were like, she was like, yeah, but that person also smokes crack. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> um, you don't need to know the context of that. But that was how we started talking about crack. And I was like, God, I was like, would you ever try crack? And she was like, no, I definitely wouldn't try crack. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of the same. Because as well, like there's a negative connotation surrounding it, like, oh, she smokes crack. He smokes crack, you know, a crackhead. No one wants to be a crackhead, you know. Um, but it is, it is a growing popular drug and is easily available on the streets, you know. Um, and I said to her, I was like, well, what about, okay, let's say, if me and you were like locked in, like say, this small apartment for an entire week, um, we couldn't leave, we were, we were super bored, there, there was no weed or anything, but there was, there was some crack. There was some crack left out on the table. Would we, would, 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 would we smoke crack? <laughs> and she was like, mm, I mean, we could try it. We could try it. But the thing about crack is in our discussion, we were like, oh, well, it's meant to be, you know, super addictive. Um, So I was like, okay, well, what about if, you know, for this hypothetical week, we smoke the crack, but have already set up to go straight into a rehab center, like a really nice rehab center. Like the celebrities go to, you know, on the last day when, when the crack is gone. So she was like, "Look, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not saying no to crack. I'm saying no right now. You know." And I, I, I and I respected that, but I, w- I was doing some research into into crack as a drug and the high that comes with crack, because um, and smoking and crack, because um, it's something that interests me and it, it's very embedded in pop culture, but I, I knew really nothing about it. So I was reading an article on the the New Republic, and, and I'll just read a, a brief little bit for you, but. author writes but crack is something else probably no one making our government's drug drug policy has ever smoked a rock of crack cocaine nor has anyone who regularly reports or comments in the media on the ravages of crack capitalism now i won't argue that you have to smoke crack to understand the war on drugs any more than you have to kill someone to understand the war in vietnam And I certainly wouldn't argue that crack isn't hazardous or anyone should try it. Having been through the experience, though, may may facilitate a certain realism about the conflict in question. Uh, So this author for The New Republic is going on to talk about their, you know, experiences, I think, for the first time smoking crack. Um, Crack is a pleasure, both powerful and elusive. Smoke a rock and for the next 20 minutes, you will likely appreciate, or you will likely appreciate sensuous phenomena ranging from MTV to neon lights to oral sex. Hmm Okay, I'm into it. <laughs> After your 20 minutes is up, you will have a chemical aftertaste in your mouth and in all likelihood, the sneaking desire to smoke another rock. To see what it's all really about. Just one more. you would want to pick up a $25 rock. Which can be split into 4 or 5 smaller rocks. As you smoke your second rock. It may strike you. That crack. The crack high. Um, combines the best aspects of marijuana and cocaine. The pleasure of pot. Is not just a high but a buzz. Smoke a joint and space out. Cocaine in contrast is clearly a high stimulant to sociality do a line and get into some serious play or some pleasurable work crack is both spacey and intense it has the head rush of marijuana or amyl nitrate with the clarity induced by a nose full of powder cocaine like i, I and I, when I remember reading this for the first time i kept going back to the line crack is both spacey and intense like what lana del rey lyric is that you know um but of course like if like of course like before this I was like, of course, I'm never going to smoke crack. But I, I, I took a screenshot of this article and I sent it to, to my friend Sinead. And we were both kind of hooked on the crack is both spacey and intense. You know, I'm like, ooh, who is she? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, do I want to smoke crack now? <laughs> um, but again, just that, that description of it, of course, it sounded amazing. It sounded like straight out of a, a Lana Del Rey song. The author goes, goes on to, to write, there's no disputing, oh, sorry, no. Mm-mm. We're about to move on to another drug, um. But so, of course, you know, you, you, when you when you read that, that sounds amazing, you know, spacey and intense, um. But again, I guess the whole thing about crack is it is super addictive. You know, what's this whole thing about chasing the high? Um. So I guess I mean it's just not a good idea, especially if you're not someone who has strong willpower, and even if you are someone who has strong willpower, sometimes that's not enough so i mean it's all fun and games to also talk about the high of crack or the high of smoking crack Does you smoke crack um absolutely because i'm curious i've never smoked crack and i'm you know i do have this burning desire to, to to know about the highs of these drugs um it's just something that's very interesting to me not saying that i'll ever smoke crack and it's all well and good for us to talk about the highs of crack but but the dangers of a lot of these drugs and the addiction to them is is just off the charts. Charts, it's something, you know, that the strongest people in the world can't control. So you have to keep that in mind. You know, all we're doing now is exploring the highs. All right. And I'm not going to go into many lows, but you have to keep that in mind. Absolutely. I remember the iconic interview with Whitney Houston. And I think maybe, was it with, was it with Diane Sawyer? It was was at least Diane Sawyer-esque, you know, one of these uh, uh, American interviewers. And they were, they were talking about Whitney's, um, and it's a brilliant interview, she Google it. They're talking about Whitney's drug use and is, is she, does she overdo it and all that. And I think it could have been Barbara Walters now or Diane Sawyer, but, but the interviewer is like, and what about crack? And Whitney is like, shuts it down straight away. She's like, uh-uh. She's like, we don't smoke crack. She's like, let's just get one thing straight. We don't smoke crack. Crack is cheap. We don't do that. Crack is whack. <laughs> and it is. The next drug I want to talk about in the Mind Poppers podcast, a drug's edition, is cocaine. And if you're listening to this, whether you have taken cocaine, whether you recreationally take cocaine, or y- y- you definitely know someone who takes cocaine, cocaine has just become a massive part of the culture. And perhaps it always has. You know, I'm, I can only talk in my own experience and what I've seen, um, you know, was it as big as was it as big in the day as it was you know when our parents were going around or your parents what have you um like cocaine for me right the whole thing about cocaine is in theory cocaine is like a very classy drug you know cocaine is the drug of the rich and famous you know cocaine is the drug of the supermodels you know so uh, cocaine i guess in one light has, has very glamorous connotations around it <clears throat> but I mean as you'll see it how it's actually lived out I mean yes that can be beautiful you know you have this beautiful image like <laughs> me sitting down be like excuse me you know while I go powder my nose you know beautiful beautiful but then you, you, when you go and uh, you actually see people you know who, who take cocaine recreationally and like they're snorting a line off the dirty sit- you know sistering in, in, in some grimy little pub toilet and you're like okay that's disgusting that is revolting you know, um, it's like when you take all the class out of cocaine. You know, it really loses the magic, doesn't it? You know, seeing people huddled around a dirty fucking toilet seat, snorting coke, it, it really does. You know, it's a far cry from the from the modelling world. You know, of of cocaine, <clears throat> and the high with cocaine is, it's it's very hard to describe. It's like super caffeine rush it's like your your body's tingling you're you're intense you're you're, you're very in the moment you're talking talking shit um and you you, you know what I, I, i'll i be honest i've you know back in the day back back in my modeling days you know when i was just a they were like oh there's riley <laughs> that's just a he's just a party girl What a bad habit <laughs> um back in the days like in, in my late teens and like very early 20s um you know I I played around with with cocaine a bit you know because I, I worked in a nightclub or whatever so I was just I was just around that I was around that a lot um <clears throat> and I enjoyed it sure for, for a couple of years but it was it it never stuck with me you know there was a there was a point where back in the day and you know, it was years ago i was going up to the city for my friend's birthday and he had ordered um you know he had ordered cocaine from um like i guess it was like the black market or the dark web whatever it was online so it had been posted out to him and it just wasn't good for me you know i didn't i, did not, I did, god i didn't even leave pre-drinks you know everyone was going i didn't even pre drinks i was you know trying to um make myself get sick you know i was doing the i'm oh, sorry um I was doing the what you call it, a tactical gawk you know to, to clean the system up before going out and I never made it out I was tucked into bed by the lads and they put on the US office and I sat there for the night while, while they were out um and you know all I can say about cocaine and my relationship with it is there came a point in my life like I, I guess like two or three years ago where my anxiety just became something that was like it just came out of the blue like a wave and and I didn't even notice it. It crept on me, you know, because if, if, in terms of like coffee and stuff, you know, I, I used to love like, I would have like five cups of coffee a day and I'm like I'm, on my lunch breaks when I was working in the shop and, you know, we smoking like four cigarettes, four fives every break, you know, down in the coffee, smoking cigarettes. And for me, it just came out of nowhere but i can't drink coffee anymore because of my anxiety i cannot drink coffee anymore like my body rejects it i go into total like shaking you know even even a decaf coffee I, I i can't do anymore um and even going abroad um i can't do like a little fun fact about me i can't drink alcohol abroad you know like when i went to to miami last year I couldn't touch alcohol. I couldn't drink it. I would get one gin, and take a couple of sips, and just have the overwhelming to hurl. My my anxiety is just so bad; it crept up on me out of nowhere, and I really don't know why or why. I mean, God, I know why, but it's just something that I've never been able to, to, to put under wraps or to control. So I can't drink coffee anymore. I I can't even drink alcohol in foreign fucking countries anymore um it, it, it's absolutely crazy but of course it, it rules out drugs like cocaine because it, it has such a, a similar buzz to this whole caffeine kind of high that god it, it it just won't work for me or for my body anymore like at all but the same way with um you know back in the day back in the early days of modeling you know trying you know ecstasy and mdma um first of all ecstasy like pills dirty 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 drug absolutely disgusting and of course look i had my fun i had my day in the sun with them when i, when I was living up in dublin years ago um with ecstasy um, because we you know we'd go on a night out um before we hit the clubs and you, you'd be in town and of course obviously it's been exposed since but the, but the rickshaws you know up, up in dublin city you know uh, now it has been exposed since I ain't rat and I ain't no rat this has already been in the papers or what have you but you know they would run like a big drug ring you know tr- through the rickshaws they, they operate a, a massive drug ring under the guise of rickshawing uh, and that's you know where we'd get our pills you know when we were heading on a night out to the clubs um, and let me tell you something the, the calm down for me who is already an emotionally unstable person <sighs> whoo Oh my God! You, you uh, for those of you who have have n- no idea about drugs, some drugs, you know, like you, your cocaine and your and, and your pills and your ecstasy, they 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 come with a down You know, you have to pay the piper. You know, the genie grants you a wish, but you gotta pay somehow, and you pay the next day with with a comedown because things like with like ecstasy, Molly, what have you, it, it puts your Your hormones into into overdrive, so so your brain, the part of your brain that produces serotonin, is working in overdrive. It's just you know all the happy feelings. That's where that feeling of euphoria comes. That serotonin release, and then obviously the next day, and the next two days, the next three days, your your hormone levels are so off, such an imbalance because your brain is depleted of serotonin, so you're just down in the depths, the depths of depression. Oh my god, the times where I lay in my little meter by meter room in dublin coming down the days after and just feeling oh my god like suicidal like bawling bawling my eyes out fuck it was it was tough and it is i am that emotionally strong to power through a come down. So that's why I had to leave that, leave that in my very early 20s, late teens. I can't, I can't fuck with that shit no more. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not emotionally strong enough for ecstasy. Uh, and I remember one of the nights we were out, my, my my friend in college had taken ecstasy as well. And she's like me, you know, very emotionally unstable. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but she is. Um, and her come down was so bad the next day that she went to the to the university nurse and was like i think somebody may have spiked my drink with ecstasy well and nobody did you know the bitch bought the ecstasy um, she's like i think somebody spiked my drink with ecstasy um And was going through, she was like, I might have taken it by an accident. (laughs) I can't remember. Um, I told the nurse all her symptoms and she's like, I just feel terrible. I feel terrible. I feel like the world's against me. And she had to go and get a fucking prescription. The nurse was like, go home, get into your bed and sleep it off. You know, you're not dying. You're not poisoned. You know, you, you took ecstasy and now you have to pay you have to pay the piper and i guess the thing is you know the thing to watch out for with 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 your cocaine with your with your mdma with with your molly with your ecstasy and, and the likes of that is is the feeling of euphoria that high offers people who take it it's chasing that high it's it's always wanting to feel that way again very addictive substances you know And that's where people, that would be people's downfall. And, you know, whatever about being a stoner and getting stoned all the time, whatever. But being addicted, like falling into a cocaine addiction or, you know, addicted to pills, um, ecstasy, MDMA. Like that is, that's dangerous. And it's a very, very hard hole to climb out of. I can only imagine my heart goes out with people, you know, battling addiction a hundred percent. Now, moving on to our next, my <laughs> Um Again, this is for entertainment purposes, okay? Look, I'm not telling any of you bitches to go and smoke crack. If you go and smoke crack, be it off your own back, you know? Don't try to slap me with a solicitor's letter, all right? Because I have the best solicitor in town. <laughs> um, for the final drug I want to talk about. And Yes, I only picked a handful of drugs that were, were topical. You know, I, 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 w- I was debating whether and looking at, like, say, ketamine or... LSD, acid, ayahuasca, um, magic mushrooms, like all the hallucinogenics, that kind of thing, which would be absolutely fascinating, DMT fascinating. But that's a different episode. I wanted to talk about just kind of party drugs, you know, that, that, that we're all around all the time. <clears throat> so the final drug I want to look at, look at in this episode of the Mind Poppers is heroin. You know, heroin, it's, it definitely has negative connotations with it. You know, it's often, you know, attached with the word junkie you know a junkie who's someone who's thrown up on the gear you know um i I, you know the thing about heroin is you can see firsthand really can't you how it's how it's ruined people's lives it's ruined people's lives and i i guess the fascinating thing for me about heroin and i i I always thought about right we can see how it absolutely wipes people out it ruins people's lives but the question i've always asked myself is what must the high be like on heroin that's so fucking good that brings people back and back and back. Even though it's, it's it's killing them, it destroys lives. What must that high be like, you know? So I was looking on the internet again, because obviously I've never tried heroin, I never will try heroin. One because I've seen what it does to people, two, um I don't like needles. Um but I was looking at a Vice article, you know, where, where the, the reporter asked people about, you know, describing their, their first times trying heroin. And it's, it's actually very interesting and you can kind of understand it. Um, well, first of all, the author in this Vice article um, starts off. He says, there's no disputing that heroin ruins lives. So why do people do it? Probably because, as one guy at a shitty nightclub urinal once explained to me, it's like you are fucking God himself. He then shook his dick and looked up the tainted ceiling. I'd added, nostalgically, chasing the dragon is a magical thing, man. And I guess the whole thing about chasing the dragon, that is, that, that's the term that people use is is, is, is your, is like your first high. Like your first high is so euphoric, is so amazing that you spend the rest of your Addicted life, at least you spend the rest of your life trying to chase the high, trying to get back to that high, you know, trying to reach Mount Olympus once more, but always falling short of the peak, you know. So, some of the people who tried heroin for the first time, these are their accounts. So, how did you come to try heroin for the first time? Enza, I was 18 and I'd just broken up with a boyfriend. Some friends of friends came over and I knew they were doing heroin and I was curious. So I asked one of the guys. Junkie etiquette is you don't shoot up a newbie because you don't want them to turn out like you, unless you ask more than once, which I did. So we drove down to Smith Street in Collingwood and he scored for us. We went first, he went first, then shot me up. How did it feel? It was instantly fucking amazing. It felt like everything was melting and everything was somehow better. Nothing mattered. It lasted about five or six hours and I felt really floaty and nice. How did the first time change your life? I wanted to do nothing else but feel that way. I decided almost immediately that this was going to be my life. I ended up using consistently for about a year after that. How often is consistently? Um she goes on to say that she was doing it like multiple times a day for several months um and how did you feel how did those months feel the reporter asks I didn't give a fuck about anything or anyone I'd been a very anxious person up until that point I had a lot of problems a shitty childhood and a really fraught relationship with family and friends and I just felt like I was home that I'd found people who I could relate to and this drug was fucking amazing um how do you feel about talking about this now I feel okay with it I mean, you get to a point where that's all you think about and that's all you want and you think of the different fucked up ways to get it. It was a shitty time, but in hindsight, I don't regret it. It made me who I am, I suppose. Do you think you'll ever go back to it? No, because if I do, I'll never stop. Now, I'll talk about one more encounter, an interesting one. Uh, Sebastian, who was 45, again, re-encountering his first experience with heroin. Hey Sebastian, can you set the scene for me? What made you try heroin and how was it? Sebastian, I was 19 years old. I was at a party where I talked to a man who convinced me that heroin was a good thing. He said, yes, it's highly addictive, but if you use it very infrequently, you won't become addicted. And I went, ah, that's logical. I'll try it once. So I tried it. It was a bit of a spectator sport. There was about half a dozen people looking on and he had readied a plastic garbage bin for me to vomit in. Then he put a tourniquet on my arm. I I presume that's some sort of medical equipment. Found a vein and got a fresh new needle out of a packet. He drew up the heroin and explained to me what he was doing. He gave me a full hit. He blew on my arm as he was injecting me and it was the least painful injection I've ever had. He took his time, was very slow, injected it fully in and got the tourniquet off. Then he bid me to sit back in an armchair and relax, which I did. What is the main recollection of that moment? Lots of warmth. Different ways of warmth around my body and then all of a sudden I hurled into the bin. Much to the laughter of everyone around me. Then I sat back and the rush turned and oh my god, it was good. It was very good. I didn't know that I could have that much sensation in my body. I didn't know that I was capable of feeling that much enjoyment. The initial rush lasted six sorry oh my god my friend Kate just texted me in the middle of that um I didn't know that I could have that much sensation in my body I didn't know that I was capable of feeling that much enjoyment the initial rush lasted about 20 minutes why do I keep saying rush like going back to the rush like going back to that whole Pierce Brosnan like I did in that last episode like oh mother partner <laughs> um I was very good. I didn't know that I could have that much sensation in my body. I didn't know that I was capable of feeling that much enjoyment. The initial rush lasted about 20 minutes and there were six to eight hours where I was very relaxed, calm and had a sense of heightened well-being. How did it change your life after that? It made me less worried about my relationship with rules and laws. I started to realise that there was so much more to life than what I had been led to believe and accept. I started to get into some fairly serious hedonism and mysticism and fairly serious questioning of the paradigm. Are you describing heroin addiction? Well, I ended up using three times within the same month. And on the last time, I basically sat down and said, look, this is awesome. I love the shit out of this. And if I don't stop, then I never will. I will absolutely rob banks to get this. I will absolutely destroy lives to get this. I need to stop. So I stopped and it was a difficult thing to do. Not because I was particularly addicted but because it was so particularly good that I had to say goodbye. I was literally settling for less after that. How does talking about this make you feel? Nostalgic really. I was young and strong and healthy and full of potential and I was succeeding in a lot of things so it was a good time in my life. But I won't do it again because it's one of those things that quickly becomes too much and it'll overwhelm you. And I guess that's the terrifying thing with a lot of these drugs, isn't it? Is this whole idea of chasing the dragon, you know, of, of experiencing a high so fucking intense that you want to spend the rest of your life just to feel that good again. That is, that, that's scary. It, it, it's, it's spooky, you know, that, that you can feel so good, so good that words can't describe but that comes with a price and that price is addiction and chasing the high. Mm-mm. So let this do be a warning to people, you know, think twice before you smoke crack. Think twice before you smoke crack. Absolutely. Think twice before you do heroin. And uh, what I will say is I'm not going to go into the, to the morality of drugs or what have you. Um, it's a personal decision for for, for people to make and, and drugs can absolutely be an absolutely positive thing in your life, 100%. Again, they can be the thing that destroy it, you know? Um, so I, I won't advise you either way. But what I will say is, do your research, you know? If, if you want to experiment with drugs, that is fine and that is your right. Um, but do your research. Make sure you are educated on these things Because you know, it can be what crack is one hell of a drug. You know, it can fuck you up. Again, I've never smoked crack. Just FYI, (laughs) just in case. (laughs) As we come to the end of this week's episode of the Mind Poppers podcast, what I will say is, you know, an interesting thing. There is a beautiful sense of community around stoners. Um you know even stoners that aren't like don't know each other super well and what have you there is this thing amongst stoners there's an honor amongst stoners where you know if if you're short someone might throw you a nudge you know it's a it is like a little community even people you don't really know will help you out when they can and in terms of money you know when you when you have to buy it or you owe someone money you know people will stoners will ask people other stoners who they're not particularly close with oh can i borrow 50 can i borrow 100 there and i'll give it back to you Uh, and stoners do are very willing to to share money with each other like that because you know it's like every you like they know they're like okay man you know i get it i get it you know um so there are beautiful sides to it absolutely and look i'm sure there's honor among crackheads you know i don't know that i can only speak from the world that i know um this has been a bit of a weird mind poppers episode hasn't it um you know just do keep a note obviously i'm not condoning and i'm not condemning uh the use of drugs it is a personal choice it is a personal experience do with your journey with what you will um again um i know that we 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 talked for a bit on uh, the black lives matter movement and at least my personal um ties to it my emotional ties to it at least um, if you do want to find out how to donate more I, I have the link in my bio like I said on my Instagram my Instagram is Adam Riley O you can head over um, I have it there saved it's, it's a really handy website that will it will, it will give you the option it will, it will help you find out and sort out where you, where you want your money to go where you want your donations to go so Adam o on Instagram we will be back next week with a whole plateau of new mind poppers until then stay woke